0: hello everybody and welcome to b squared c a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world i am your host Nancy, and i hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from so my voice might sound a little off today uh, because i am recovering from a really nasty cold slash flu that i had for the last few weeks and i'm only starting to feel like a human being again um and my voice is not yet fully back but i'm gonna do my best to get through this episode with you and i'm excited to talk about our topic for today which is a reflection on the conversation i had with our guest this month faith Opio if you haven't blessed yourself with this incredible story of this woman who is an absolute force to be reckoned with go back one episode and have a listen faith moved from kenya um, as a teenager to start forging her career in tech which she actually started out with in russia and has been making incredible power moves since then which have taken her to the netherlands Up to now, her story is the very definition of resilience, as she has been the captain of her fate um, throughout all of it. But as even as faith makes her mark, she still is confronted by our dear old friend, imposter syndrome. In the episode, she shared how being a black woman in tech can be challenging sometimes as people often question her intelligence and her existence, um, which can really get to her. We have talked about imposter syndrome many times on this podcast. Um, a lot of the guests have talked about the experience with it, as well as some reflections in season one. And today we are going to go back to this topic, but we will be casting a different lens on it. Imposter syndrome for the longest time has been treated as a problem of the individual. Something must be wrong with you. Why do you not feel confident if you are this accomplished? And less has been done or even discussed to talk about the context that, or the environments rather, that are driving people to have imposter um, feelings. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it from, and be that amazing friend and colleague who shares good things with the people in your life. I promise you, they will love you for it. Now, let's get into this episode. Let's start with some definitions to get everyone on board with our topic today. What is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is defined as feelings of self-doubt and personal incompetence that persist despite your education, experience and accomplishments. When you have imposter syndrome, you feel like a fraud despite the fact that you might be wildly accomplished. Now, while imposter syndrome can be experienced by many different people, it is especially common or more likely, rather, to be found in women, people of color, and in general, people from marginalized or underrepresented groups. When it comes to women... We have had famous women from Hollywood superstars such as Charlize Theron and Viola Davis to business leaders such as Sheryl Sandbag and even a former first lady uh, of uh, America, Michelle Obama. They all have confessed to experiencing imposter syndrome. Now, in February 2021, Harvard Business Review published this article that just blew my mind and made me rethink what I previously thought about this topic. And I have it in the show notes for you to check out. Written by Ruchika Tushan and Jordi N. Bire, this article is provocatively entitled Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. Well, why is that? You may ask. Because rather than being the individual problem we've made it out to be, imposter syndrome is actually a systemic problem. Let me summarize this article for you so you get the full picture. The term imposter syndrome, originally coined imposter phenomenon, was um, coined in 1978, by psychologists Pauline Ross Klans and Suzanne Imes, in their founding study, which actually focused on high achieving women. They found that despite outstanding academic and professional accomplishments, women who experience the imposter phenomenon persist in believing that they are really not bright and a food anyone who thinks otherwise. Now, mind you, Back then, the impact of systemic racism, classism, xenophobia, and other biases was categorically absent, right? Like it had not been studied before uh, when the imposter syndrome concept was developed. And additionally, many groups of um, people were excluded from the study, including women of color and people of various incomes, genders, and professional backgrounds. Now, we now understand the importance of intersectionality when talking about any topic um that is in the space of equity. So I want you to just note that um, as we continue our conversation. Now a whole industry has sprung from this study dedicated to fixing imposter syndrome in people who have it. We're talking millions of dollars in books, experts, and workshops. I mean, you can never attend a women's conference without at least one workshop talking about imposter syndrome. If you search on Google, you will get millions of results um, that show solutions. To imposter syndrome, ranging from attending conferences to reading books to reciting one's accomplishments in front of a mirror. But here is the kicker. What you don't see as much of in the whole industry of imposter syndrome is a discussion or a robust discussion around why imposter syndrome exists in the first place, specifically in the groups affected the most. That is, women, people of color, and people from other marginalized or underrepresented groups. So let's talk about that. Where do imposter feelings come from? Well, turns out they actually come from repeated exposure to systemic bias. So the sexism, racism, um, xenophobia, and other forms of prejudice that we talked about before. To paraphrase my favourite paragraph in the HBR article, um, if you're a member of a marginalised group and you feel like you do not belong, well it is probably because you were never supposed to belong in the first place. We have talked before in this podcast about systemic bias that persists in most of the institutions we exist in, um, like the corporate world you find that these spaces are still very much rooted in white supremacy and the old boys club. Um, Bias across the systems routinely inhibits the ability for people from underrepresented groups to thrive. I got to think a little further about imposter syndrome and uh, dig into my own experiences. When have I ever felt like a fraud? Right. Now, recently, one of my mentees actually asked me, uh, well, a version of this question. She was asking me about what she can do to build up her confidence. What can she do about not having confidence? Now, for the first time in our mentorship relationship, I was stumped, and I realized it is because I cannot relate. I have never had an inherent. Um, crisis of confidence and I actually have been exploring this topic in therapy my therapist and I have named my future book the audacity to belong because time and again I've proven that if there is a goal something that I'm incredibly passionate about and I've decided that I want to go for it um, and I can do it I am going to do exactly that go after it despite the circumstances i also have gotten to learn that um, i have an unhealthy source um, of this confidence that i happen to have which is being told that i can't do certain things since i was a little girl right so i maladapted And developed this audacity um, from wanting to prove the world wrong. And the work, or some of the work I've been doing in therapy, is turning that around and learning to own my accomplishments um, for myself and to um, resent less the people who have not supported me in my life. So that's a little piece of me, right? Um, And where I'm coming from on this topic. But what I really got to learn. Because people always, always have asked me before, like, where do I get my confidence from? And I must say, before I did this deep reflection in therapy, I didn't actually know. I was just like, I just am. Um, But yeah, this is where mine comes from. But the important point to take away here is that I actually have always walked into any situation and owned it. Now, I do have one particular experience um, where I actually questioned my um, talent and my intelligence and I felt like a fraud. And it was an experience I had some years back with a manager. I now have the ability to look back and see that... um, I had an abusive relationship with this manager. This man seemed to thrive on making other people feel small. He actually used belittling language in his um, feedback and routinely told me he was disappointed in me. And at one point actually said, maybe this job is not for you or maybe this company is not for you. He was also routinely comparing me constantly to, you guessed it, a white male colleague. That job was a struggle for me. And I was so young that I didn't know what to do right. And with each misstep, I worked harder and harder to get it right. And it seemed I, felt, I fell further and further from his good graces. I have never cried that many tears in a job, um, you guys. And I had like sleepless nights and stuff about it. And I look back and I realize this is the moment for the first time where I actually questioned my talent. Now, a lot of people ask me, you know, Uh, why I never did something about the situation. Well, for starters, like I said, it was very early on in my career. So I honestly didn't know better. But most of all, I was just terrified of losing my job. I am an immigrant. Losing my job means it has a huge impact. I lose my right to live in the country that I am um, living in, right? And I was not going to (laughs) let that happen. Secondly, This man was immensely powerful. He had like many years in the company and I really thought that he would destroy my career if I ever went up against him. But most importantly, he expertly wrapped up his abuse in feedback and I'm actually making air quotes right now so you know that it was like feedback. So it was systemically impossible um, at the time for me to actually point out the abuse. The kicker is much later on, <laughs> I got to learn way after leaving this job that I am actually not the only one he treated this way. In fact, he had a whole track record of this, especially with women. I remember truly wondering how has he lasted this long, right? Then pff, it struck me. Of course he would last this long. He is a white man. The environment was made for him to thrive, not me. So to recap this story, I was actually never lacking in confidence until someone made it their business to put me um, in my place, uh, or so they say. And that person was systemically protected so much that I felt like I could not go up against them because otherwise it would cost me my livelihood. How many of us have been in this type of situation? And for me, the big takeaway was just that the only time I've had imposter feelings have been when someone was actively coming after me um, and made it their business to make me feel this way. (laughs) It has been several years since um, this experience um, that I had with this manager. And honestly, I'm still processing the trauma that I got uh, from it. And I will say very, very honestly, this is the first time that I'm talking about it in a forum that is this um public, but I felt that it was relevant to this topic. And I'm super curious how many people identify with this situation. Now, to bring it all back to the topic of imposter syndrome, having experienced this and knowing what I know now, um, From engaging with this topic, um, you know, being inspired by the HBR article and really talking a lot to the people around me, I want to share with you my top three lessons uh, or takeaways that are a core part of my evolved position on the topic of imposter syndrome. The first one is, if you're a person from a marginalized group and you experience imposter syndrome, know that your feelings are valid. As mentioned before, the systems and institutions that we exist in were not meant for us to thrive in. And feeling like an imposter when you are in them is a natural and normal response um, to this type of environment. Most of all know that it is not a judgment on you as a person or an indictment of your talent, but it is rather an indictment of your environment. Speaking of environments. Secondly, as concluded in the HBR article, the real cure to imposter syndrome is actually challenging toxic environments. I honestly believe that if there had been some sort of accountability for the behavior of my um, toxic manager that I talked about, many people, including me, would not have suffered from him. It is imperative that uh, we all strive to create cultures that address systemic bias so we can reduce the experiences that culminate in so-called imposter syndrome among people from um, marginalized groups in this case. Lastly, feelings of self-doubt are very real. Um, And we should learn to embrace them and channel them productively. I have another article for you to check out in the show notes that I found on Fast Company on this topic. And basically, it is saying that self-doubt is normal and even healthy. The only people who don't question themselves ever so often are narcissists. A little self-doubt slows us down a bit Um, and to quote from the article, when we take the time to question ourselves, we trade a faster result for a more thoughtful, long-term one. We get a result that takes into consideration both the immediate consequences and the effects down the road in any way. So there is a way to... Take self-doubt and channel it into a positive space, and we should all be cognizant of that. All right, to recap, imposter syndrome for way too long has been put on individuals. It has always felt like there is something wrong with us. Women, people of color, and uh, people with other marginalized identities, how the hell uh, can we be so accomplished and still feel like, you know, a fraud like we do not belong? There is a whole million-dollar industry dedicated to fixing individuals. But tell me this. How do you sustain this confidence that you can have built in these individuals if you're continuously sending them out into an environment that is not made for them to thrive? It is imperative that we interrogate the systems that perpetuate feelings of inadequacy and actually dedicate resources to fixing them as opposed to fixing individuals. Lastly, self-doubt is a very normal feeling uh, when when we face new challenges and we can even channel it um, more productively. All right, that's a wrap. That's it for me this week. Um, thanks to my wonderful October guest Faith for inspiring this reflection that I shared with you today. I would love, love to hear your thoughts on this topic of imposter syndrome. Have you ever thought about it the way that you just heard me present it in this podcast? Come over to the Squid C Instagram and LinkedIn page and let me know. If you like what you heard, go ahead and give this podcast five stars wherever you listen to it from. And again, don't forget, sharing is caring. Share it with your network. Lastly, you can also make a small donation to help keep this podcast going. You can buy me a coffee with the link in the show notes. Until next time, I am your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered and stay inspired.